And let's pray. Loving God, we praise you for this day. We give thanks for the call that you have placed upon each of our lives to bring us here on this day. And so, Lord, open our hearts, open our minds, help us to experience your very presence. You know, Lord, this whole week we've heard what the world thinks, what the world even thinks of us, and now we need to hear what you think. May your love and your grace speak into our lives, speak into our heart, and continue our transformation and our growth. Help us to be the disciples we need to be. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. So there is a story told about a man who runs into the veterinarian's office carrying his dog and yelling for help. The vet rushes them back to the examination room. The man lays his dog down on the examination table and the vet carefully looks over the still limp body. And after a few moments, the vet says to the man, I'm sorry to say this, but your dog is dead. Well, the man won't accept this and so he demands second opinion. So the vet goes into the back room and he comes out with a cat and he puts the cat next to the dog's body. And the cat begins to sniff the dog's body from head to tail. The cat then finishes, sits at the end of the table, looks at the vet and meows. The vet says, well, I'm sorry, but the cat says your dog is dead also. The man was still unwilling to accept that his dog was dead, and so the vet brings in a black lab. The lab sniffed the body, again, just like the cat walked from head to tail, and then looked at the vet and barked. The vet says, I'm sorry, but the lab thinks that your dog is also dead. The man finally resigned to the diagnosis, thanked the vet, and asked him, how much do I owe you? And the vet answered, $650. The man said, $650 just to tell me my dog is dead? And the vet says, well, I would have only charged you $50 for the initial diagnosis, but the additional $600 was for the CAT scan and the lab results. Yeah, that's a bad joke, y'all, in case you didn't know that. And here's the other part of this. If you think it's a bad joke and you go tell somebody else you perpetuate that, that's on you. (laughs) And and I have to kind of tell people that I, I, I heard this joke and I really liked it. And so I was thinking of ways to try to get involved. So I started telling people this joke, and I said, hey, I'm looking at putting this into my sermon. And everybody that I told the joke to said the exact same thing. How are you going to tie it in? Where's it going to fit? And I, so that's really kind of what I've been thinking about. And uh, to be honest with you, the answer came to me, and it was very obvious, and it's actually very easy. What's the title of today's sermon? 
right? Do you see it? Stay on target. So what I want to say is, my friends, this was an example of what it means to get off target. <laughs> right? Now, let's be honest, okay? We all know what it means to be off target. Because I am confident that every married couple in this room has a funny story to share about bad communication while driving, getting lost, and ultimately getting off target. I'm sure that at some point you wore clothes, that you now look back and say, man, was I ever off target. How did I ever wear corduroy and bell bottoms, of all things? I was off target. Some of you pursued majors in college that for you were way off target. I know you laugh, but some of you did it more than once. <laughs> some of you worked at jobs that you thought would be great, but now as you look back, you go, no, I was off target. Some of us have bought kids and grandkids toys that we thought they would just absolutely love, only to be surprised when they didn't really pay much attention to the toy, but they played with the box that it came in for hours upon hours. We were off target. In today's text, Gospel of Mark chapter 9, Jesus is going to challenge his disciples and also confront us with some very strong language. And these strong words are really to encourage us to stay on target, to not get distracted, to not get off track. Don't swing too far to the left and don't swing too far to the right. We are encouraged to stay focused on Jesus Christ. We're encouraged to stay focused on the living Word of God. Now, a good question for all of us, a question that we should be mindful of on a daily basis, is to ask the question, what distracts us from pursuing Christ? What gets us off target in pursuing Jesus? And the answers are similar, but also vary between each of us. Things like job and family and friends, our hobby, school, forgiveness, lust, anger, pride. Or maybe it's something like a lack of love or a lack of forgiveness or a lack of involvement in the church. You know, we really need brothers and sisters in Christ to keep us and help us to stay on target. In Mark chapter 9, verses 38 through 50, it's clear. Jesus wants us to stay focused. Jesus wants us on target. Don't get distracted. Run your race of faith. Run it to win. Run away from sin and run toward Jesus. Now, previously in chapter 8, 
Jesus reveals that he is the true Messiah to the disciples. Jesus is the fulfillment of all of the Old Testament prophecies. And Jesus tells the disciples very clearly that the Messiah must suffer, die, and rise again. Jesus even goes so far as to tell his disciples that they need to deny themselves and pick up their cross and daily follow him. Jesus tells them if they want to be truly great, then they really must be servant of all, especially to children and to those who are the neediest in society. You know, the Gospel of Mark is very clear to the readers. As we read about Jesus in the book of of Mark, Jesus communicates so clearly to the disciples. I mean, there's no question that Jesus is God and that Jesus is the Messiah. I mean, there's no reason for a second opinion. No CAT scans or lab work required here. But Mark's gospel also tells us And Mark is really more harsh than any of the other Gospels. That the disciples are absolutely 100% clueless as to who Jesus is. Mark's Gospels tell us that the disciples are way, way off target. Now, let's not be too quick to judge the disciples because... From time to time, we too get off target. In order for our faith to be genuine, we must live in to the grace that God gives. We have to mindfully say every morning, God, keep me focused. God, keep me on target. Now, here are some ways that come directly from our Bible verses today about how we drift and how we get off target. The first, the first is what I call unnecessary rivalry, which is also a failure of priority. Unnecessary rivalry, right? I mean, that's what we see in the very first part of our uh, pericope today. We see this. Because what happens? John comes to Jesus and says what? Hey, we stopped this guy who was casting out demons and doing it in your name because you know what? He wasn't one of us. And Jesus says, why? Are you seeing him as a rival? Maybe he's not one of us, but if he's using my name, then let him use it. Because if he uses my name and he's doing good with it, then he can't be against me. Right? That's what Jesus goes on to say. And friends, I really think we need to think about this in terms of how we're supposed to interact with other Christians, with other churches, with other denominations. And let's be clear. We are not competing with other Christians. This is not a race between you and them. It's your own personal race, and you need to run that race as best you can 
But you're not trying to outrun anybody else. If anything, you're trying to bring as many people with you as you can get. You're trying to encourage them to run their race and do it well. And when it comes to other churches and denominations, well, let's get one thing straight. We're all on the same side. If they're lifting up the name of Jesus, who are we to say that they're doing it wrong? As Christians, we're called to love and to encourage, to help and to lift others up. Remember Jesus' words. Whoever is not against us is for us. You know, when I was younger, I used to think denominationalism was a huge kind of sin. And now I see what God's doing. God is offering humanity an amazing variety. I mean, if you come to me and you tell me that you can't find a church that meets your personality and the things that you like and don't like, well, I can honestly look you in the eye and say, you know what? You haven't tried enough churches because we got them all. We got high church. We got low church. We got formal church. We got informal church. We got Gregorian chant. We got praise music, incense, and Latin. I mean, we even got snake and poison, okay? I can't think of anything we're leaving out. And that list just keeps getting longer and longer. But my friends, don't get off target with unnecessary rivalry, all right? Because unnecessary rivalry is really nothing more than a failure of priority. Number two, don't get off track by not protecting people, especially the vulnerable. Because when we do that, that is a failure of love. Mark 9, verse 42 through 48, Jesus has some very harsh words for us. Because Jesus says this, if you cause a little one to stumble, better for you to have a millstone tied around your neck and to be thrown into the ocean. Or if your hand causes you to stumble, do what? Cut it off. An eye causes you to stumble. Pluck it out. I mean, Jesus' words are harsh. Jesus' words are in your face. And how are we supposed to understand it? How is it supposed to make sense? Well, I appreciate what Episcopalian priest, Reverend Barbara Taylor Brown, writes about this passage. She says this, the one thing that I like about this text is that it defines the limits of biblical literalism. Walk into most Bible-believing church you can find where women don't wear trousers or talk in church, where men don't swear oaths or mow their lawns on Sundays, go into a place as strict as that, and I bet you won't find many people with eye patches and wrapped stumps. Because even the most literal Christians will balk at this passage. So what's Jesus really saying here? Well, Jesus is clearly saying that we have to take our sin seriously. That, that that is one of the things that we as Christians many times lose sight of. We don't take our sin as seriously as we need to. 
Because our sin ultimately separates us from one another and it separates us from the love of God. And that what is what needs to be paramount. That is what needs to be most important. You know, I want to point this out because I find the Greek here is incredibly interesting. Because the word for stumble, do you know what that word is? I'm going to say it and I want you to think to yourself, what does that sound like? Okay? The Greek word for, for stumble is scandalizome. Scandalizome. And it's the root for a more common English word, which is to a scandal or to scandalize, right? When we cause someone to sin, when we sin, we stumble. And what are we doing? We are scandalizing the message of the gospel. So, number one, don't get off target with unnecessary rivalry and a failure of priority. Number two, don't get off target by not protecting people, especially the vulnerable, because this is a failure of love. And don't get off target by living only for yourself. Now, we as followers of Christ are called to die to self. Jesus in verse 39 says, for everyone will be salted with fire. Did you understand that? Did you get that? I read a lot of uh, commentaries this past week about what that meant. Scholars debate this passage, but I, I will tell you for me, there's not really a whole lot of debate. It's really kind of clear. Salting the meat is something that you did before you sacrificed that meat. It was part of the Levitical code, and you'll find it in Leviticus 2.13. So if we're going to be salted with fire, we're going to be salted because we're going to be prepared to be the meat that goes on the altar, the meat that gets cooked, the meat that becomes the sacrifice. That is what is called of us. So let me remind you of Jesus' words. We must deny ourselves, pick up our cross, and daily follow. We must die to self if we are to live in Jesus Christ. So don't get off target by unnecessary rivalry. Don't get off target with false priorities. Don't get off target by failing to protect the vulnerable around you. Don't get off target by failing to truly love. Don't get off target by not taking your sin seriously and understanding that it is detrimental to your own spiritual health. And don't get off target by not offering yourself fully as an offering to God each and every day. You know, Jesus wants to, to grow us, wants us to live in to the grace that God gives, to grow and to become better than we are right now. You know, one of the passages it kind of brings up 
you know, if salt has lost its saltiness, then what good is it? And it started me to kind of thinking, well, what is salt that's not salty? And the only thing I can come up with is, well, it sounds a lot like gravel, right? And so I kind of thought, well, maybe that ought to be the title of my sermon, you know? Don't be a gravelly Christian. But then I thought, well, you know what? Maybe I missed that one too. Maybe I should have said it the other way and said, well, what Jesus really wants is for us to be salty Christians. But I decided not to do that because I thought you might take that wrong. But we are left with that question. Are you salt? Do you add life to where you go? Or are you gravel? Are you salt or are you gravel? You know, there's an old Eastern fable. A man possessed a ring. And in the middle of that ring was set a beautiful opal. Whoever wore the ring became so sweet and so true in character that all people would love that person. The ring was a very powerful charm, and it was always passed down from generation to generation, and it always worked for whoever wore it. As time went on, a father had three sons, three sons that he loved equally. Who was he going to pass this cherished possession onto? So you know what the father did? The father had two more rings made precisely the same as the original ring. And no one could tell the difference. On his deathbed, he gave each of his sons a ring. Well, of course, a great dispute arose between the three sons over who had the true ring. The case was taken to a wise judge. The judge examined all three of the rings and then said, I cannot tell which ring is magic, but you yourselves can prove it. The sons all asked in astonishment, how in the world can we prove it? And the judge replied, for if the true ring gives sweetness to character of the one who wears it, then I and all the other people in this city will know which son possesses the true ring by the goodness that we see in their life. So go your ways, be kind, be truthful, be just in your dealings with others. Because the one who does this is the one who possesses the true ring. Well, I hope you understood that story for us today. Because I'm going to tell you right now, it's not a charm. It's not magic. It's the love of Jesus Christ. It should soften your heart. It should make you love. It should change your perspective on everything. Stay on target. 
be a true disciple. And I promise you, people are going to know if you're a true disciple or not by looking at your life. Does your life model the love of Jesus Christ in everything that you do? It's pretty simple, huh? Stay on target. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Our closing hymn is in the faith we sing, and it is bring forth the kingdom. We're going to sing stanzas one, two, three.